Hey Achievers, this is Maya, founder of Healthy High Achievers. Join our global community and create healthier routines to avoid burnout and feel more calm and healthy. Let's get to it. Hey Achievers, welcome to this new episode of the Healthy High Achievers podcast. I am thrilled today because we have Ryan Blair on the show today. Welcome, Ryan. So happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. Where are you in the world right now? I'm in the Hollywood Hills, California, and it's a beautiful day here, so it's a pleasure to be with you. Nice, California. All right. I'm here in Peru. We have listeners. I was amazed that most listeners were like in Germany or in uh, in Belgium, Australia, Israel, everywhere a little bit. So welcome Mm -hmm. to this global community. Ryan, just to give him a little introduction, there's a lot to say about Ryan. I'm going to let him do most of the talking. But uh, Ryan is a businessman. He wrote a book. I have the title here, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, How I Went from Gang Member to Multimillionaire Entrepreneur. How about that? I think his story can be super inspiring for all of you achievers who are often, I know many of you have a day job and are building their business outside of that or combining several projects or at least taking like three online courses at the same time, right? (laughs) So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Information overload, social media, we're going to dive into all the good stuff. But Ryan, first, just tell us what inspired you to put your already very inspiring story, put that in a shape of a book. Tell us. Well, you know, I've always been uh, a writer at heart. My soul had a desire to write. I, I used to write love letters to girls in grade school. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and I always loved to write. I, but I never had any of the formal training in it because I dropped out of high school uh, at a very early age, my freshman year. And I even prior to that, I was in special education classes and I was very remedial, if, even far below average as it, as it related to my ability to learn in school. So I, I didn't have any of the tools or, or the credentials or the education or the skills around it, but I always expressed myself emotionally through the written word. And there was a couple of key times in my life when I had found the power in the pen. One was, like I said, writing love notes. And then the other was, um, you know, I, I, at one point in time, I wrote a letter to a judge begging me for leniency. And after he read the letter, he agreed to give me leniency. And I realized the power of the written word at that point. So I've always had it in my heart. But I decided to put my story into a book. And it was really a soul thing. I didn't, didn't quite know that it would become, a, you know, the, the success that it has become. Certainly, it's been around for now 11 years, and it's still selling around the world. And I had no idea that, you know, my story would have that much of, of a resonance, you know, with the audience out there. Wow, that's beautiful. I know, I know some clients of mine and members in, at Healthy High Achievers that are thinking of writing their book, but not sure like, oh, is it going to be a success or not? And it feels like you just went with it. Like you say, it just came from your soul. You just started writing. How, how did that process start for you? Well, I've, you know, I, I believe that I came here to write. I believe from a, a spiritual level that I, that I did. And the universe started sending me um, uh, signs. In fact, I had a meeting with a person uh, named, he was a legendary coach by the name of John Wooden, <clears throat> excuse me, he's no longer with us. And John Wooden was about 96 years old. And so he's quite elderly. And he uh, was a leadership author and, uh, you know, the all-time winningest coach in um, men's basketball history. And he'd won 
many awards, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And, you know, he was considered one of our most honored citizens in America of all time. And I'm at his house and uh, John and I are talking for the very first time. And there was a, an author in the room and the author heard my story and he contacted me afterward and said, you need to write a book. And he was a eight times or seven times New York Times bestselling author at the time. Now he's gone on to write many more bestselling books. But when he told me that, he says, and I'll help you. You know, I, I saw it as a sign, you know, from the man above and I took it seriously. In my first book, he taught me how to basically structure a book and write a book. And then from there, I, I wrote uh, my second book, which is called Rock Bottom to Rockstar. And now I'm working on uh, my third book. And and you know I'm constantly writing. It's it's something that I do, you know, each and every single day. Mm, yeah, I absolutely get you. I love writing myself. I would even combine little pieces of lyrics of different songs and create a story of that. I don't know all the creativity that comes from us as a kid and shows us where our talents are. And then yeah. there's often that one person, right? Just one person that gives you a comment uh, at a random moment of, hey, you know, you should write a book. And it kind yeah. of sparks. It's interesting how it's sometimes another person that tells us, it gives us that little spark to jump into action finally. Yeah, your, your soul knows when mm. there's something for you. Like yeah. it could be a random stranger that says something and your soul's like, wow, those words really landed. They stuck. I needed to hear that. And as you really develop yourself spiritually, you'll start to understand when, you know, there, it's just noise versus a signal, for example. And you're like, wow, okay, I need to take action on that or, or that's a message. And sometimes the sign comes from a person. Sometimes it comes from an animal or a bird or you know, the signs come from everywhere. It's as though the universe is trying to send you signals at all time to nudge you one step you know, further on your path. And most of us just miss the signs or we misinterpret them. Absolutely. And that's what I was thinking about. I know many, especially perfectionists, high achievers, I know there are many in, in this audience who kind of do the opposite of what you're saying. Hey, a sign to just to push you on your true path really to make you follow the path that's aligned for you but then some people who overthink or perfectionists are like oh you see that's a sign that i shouldn't do it because it comes from a yeah. place of fear yeah you you know there are many things that stop you from taking action on a sign but anytime that you know you do the simple math and you realize what are the odds of that like what are the odds of a hawk landing on my balcony and looking at me in the eyes right now like what are the odds of that right mm -hmm. and that when that happens you know there's there's a message in there for you and the in, the intention behind the message is for you to ground it in some form of action and the action shouldn't be to overthink it the action shouldn't be to do nothing with it the, you know there's some sort of action and you know in life we are we are basically all of us are on you know, various levels of our spiritual walk. And on those levels, there are lessons. And the signs are sent to try to help you navigate the series of lessons that you need to learn in the season that you're in right now. Once you learn those lessons, you enter into a new, se new season. But if you don't learn the lessons, you will get stuck in that season permanently. And for those people that get stuck or those people that don't like where they're at in life, uh, even if we are high achievers, oftentimes we don't like where we're at in life. It's because we haven't learned the lessons that the season is intended to teach us. Mm, yes, beautiful. And that takes me to the mindset of like the title of your book, right? Nothing to lose, everything to gain. I feel like sometimes we feel blocked to take action or to make change 
because we think we have everything to lose instead of nothing yeah. to lose. Right. So how did you come to that mindset of nothing to lose? Well, most you're absolutely right. Most people think they have everything to lose and, you know, they 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 might have a job and they're afraid of losing the job. They might have a house and they're afraid of losing their their house and their mortgage, cars, car payments. Most people live in a life of fear of losing what they have and the things that they have, you know, the, the things that they own end up owning them in that scenario. And conversely, when you have a nothing to lose mindset, you know, you look at the things that you own and say, I can lose all of this and I'll be just fine. I'll be, you know, just fine. I'll figure right. out a way to get back even more than what I've obtained. And you're willing to take risk with that mindset. And to be successful as an entrepreneur, you need to be uh, able to take a high degree of risk. You need to be able to look at it and say, all right, I'm, I'm willing to take a risk and hire a team member this month. I'm willing to invest in marketing that may or may not work. I'm willing to, uh, you know, invest in a product that may or may not sell. You know, this is what entrepreneurship is all about. And so the nothing to lose mindset is the mindset that allows you to take the most amount of risk. And if you take the most amount of risk, you have the potential, if you take it in a, a disciplined way, you have the potential for the most amount of reward. Mm. Yeah, that reminds me of when I just when I first moved from Belgium to Peru, I had that Belgian, we love saving money in Belgium. Yeah. So, and we don't like spending it. Right? So when I came to Peru, people have such an entrepreneurial mindset. And I remember a friend, um, a tour guide said, you know what, my family didn't really agree on me starting a business and being a tour guide. But you know what I said to my mom, I said, you know what? I'm just going to invest everything I have into this. And if it doesn't work out, I'll do something else. I'll make the money back. You know, I'll stand back up and, and try again. And I looked at him like, wow, here's this guy willing to lose all the money in his account, in yeah. his bank account. And here I am holding on to it because I learned that it's for my future and it's like mm -hmm. for my safety. And so did you always have that? nothing to lose mentality or did that shift at a certain point it, it did shift and you know my i tried to go back to those roots often because i do have a lot to lose now i have you know a 13 year old son in private school i have uh, a large team and you know a, a good sized company um i have you know a, a beautiful house and hollywood hills so you know if, if if you know there are things that i have to lose and so i i can't um um operate as though I, you know, I have nothing to lose whatsoever, 100% of the time. Yeah. But in certain items, I do operate in that way. So for example, when it comes to running my business, you know, we're, we're scaling and we have about 29 team members. And, you know, I'm in order for me to move it to the next level, I have to experiment and I have to uh, invest and I have to take risk. And so, you know, while some people, you know, would not have the appetite to scale at the level that I do, I have that because frankly, you know, to me, a $5 million a year company is nothing to lose. Like, while other people would be like, are you kidding me? You have a $5 million a year company. That's the dream. Like, to me, it's like $5 million a year. I could, you know, restart a $5 million a year company 100 times over. And so I can take that risk because I have a tremendous amount of confidence in my skill. Mm. And the confidence in my skill has come as a result of, you know, 25 years worth of, of, of experience as an entrepreneur. And I've also had the privilege of having $2 billion worth of investment and revenue 
rolled through my hands to aid me in those various experiments. So I'm pretty good at what I do. I'm not perfect at it by any means. And I do make mistakes and I do uh, make errors and I do have failures. But overall, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm skilled to the extent that I know that, you know, I can, I can make things happen if I need to make things happen. Mm. And how did you create that kind of self-confidence to either when you make mistakes, when you feel that fear, um, to still be kind to yourself and still feel like, okay, it's okay. I can stand back up. I can get back to yeah. it. Nothing to lose. Yeah, that, that's the hard work. You know, the hardest thing in the world is to miss on, like, for example, I can share with you that there was an opportunity that I had that, you know, a friend of mine came to me and said, I'd like you to invest in this venture. It was a, he asked me for 250000 and I said no, and he took the investment, and the investment turned into a $700 million, you know, return. And, you know, and that hurts. Like, you're like, oh, I, you know, I, I, I could have an extra $700 million in the bank right now. And then you have to remind yourself that, you know, you weren't, you weren't ready for that. That wasn't, that wasn't in your cards. Mm -hmm. You were not at the level to receive that at that particular time. And, you know, when you look at that gap and then you reverse engineer, okay, what do I have to do? What changes do I have to make in order to be able to take advantage of such an opportunity? Conversely, you know, if you, if you uh, make a, a, an error or you spend, uh, you know, too much money on a marketing campaign or, you know, you have to look at what lessons can I learn from that? How do I need to change as a leader and as an entrepreneur in order to not repeat these lessons? And when you do that, you transmute the negative into positive. Mm. And entrepreneurship is just about problem solving. And so all day long, we're solving internal problems. First, the internal problems within ourselves, the problems of self-motivation, of confidence, of, of uh, you know, enthusiasm, uh, leadership, like these are all internal related problems, self-leadership and then you know, external leadership as well. And the better you are at solving the problems within you, the better you can help other people solve problems and the better your team can solve uh, the various problems that a company needs to solve to be a solution in the marketplace. And so it's, you know, it's, it's just nonstop all day long, you're dealing with problems as an entrepreneur. And so you, you got to get used to them. You got to like start to enjoy it. Wow, I, get, I have a problem that I didn't expect. I, did, I don't like, I don't want to deal with it today, but that's my job, right? I got to solve the problem. And if I do that and I learn from it, I grow from it, my team does as well. We will build an institutional knowledge. Um, we'll build process. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll grow from that particular problem that we solved. And as a result, you know, we'll be able to move on to solving bigger problems. I'm getting mm. a little sun. I'm going to have to. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. The, and when I me, picture... uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Can you still see me? Because I'm Absolutely. The sun's, sun's starting to hit me here. When I think of California, I've never been. But when I think of California, I think of the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's just coming in over. Let me uh, let me just try to change spots real quick. Sorry. To of course, no worries. <laughs> People who are watching on YouTube can see how he's enjoying the California sun right there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see if that's better. Can you, you can kind of see out my window, uh, my yeah. view, but All right. I'm not, I'm not being blinded by the light now. Sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> no, we see you very well right now. You're not blinded. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. And I was just thinking when you were saying that it is that internal work first, because sometimes you want to start your own project or your business and then first perfectionism comes up, um, your high achievers thoughts and overthinking yeah. come up. 
And then you take it so personally, and I, I can speak from experience too. You start a business, sort of your baby, you take it very personally because it's kind of a confirmation of your skills or are you able to do it? So in the beginning, I had to fight somehow beliefs, not only of myself, but also my family who thought building a business is a big risk, right? Never do that, just get your nine to five. And so first battling that, then battling your own perfectionism, then building your business, but with every downfall, you're like, ah, you know, do I have the skills? Can I really do this? And when you say, yeah. hey, it's problem solving, you know, that's what you do as an entrepreneur. You take a step back, you look at it, you say, okay, we have this problem. I don't like it, but here it is. <laughs> How are you going to solve this? And I like that you say, okay, this is going to bring us more institutional knowledge. And yeah. so for me saying, okay, this is going to give me more knowledge about how business works, really. Yeah. Yeah. The, the success that I've had in scaling businesses is a hundred percent a result of all of the failures that I have had to work through in the process, not, you know, not making my financial plans, missing my sales targets, uh, losing money, uh, acquiring companies that didn't work out, being acquired and having it not work out. Um, hiring people, having it not work out, having to fire people, having to do layoffs. I mean, having to do turnarounds. There's, there's so much um, in my 25 year journey that has gone wrong that I now have a, you know, a strong uh, discernment, uh, a, a series of principles that I apply to how I operate, how I lead a, a formula basically that I operate in businesses because you know, I've, I've seen so many different scenarios. Some, for example, you know, the Great Recession in 2008, that was a scenario that was unprecedented. It hit very hard, it damaged my business, it almost knocked us out, but we figured out how to work through that particular event and actually build the fastest growing company in, in all of Wall Street as a result of that particular difficult time. The COVID shutdown, I had an event business, so I was doing in-person events and the whole world shut down, no one was traveling. And so immediately my event business is like, got, goes from you know, growing in this beautiful uh, business that I was loving and enjoying to you know, zero dollars in, in revenue basically. And so I had, to, you know, I had to make the adjustments there and that was a very difficult period of time. But each time that I've had to go through a very difficult period, you know, I, I just remind myself, I've been through this before, I have the skills, I, you know, I, I believe God has a plan and I believe this, this, you know, mm -hmm. series of problems that I'm facing is what I, is the medicine that I need to grow my character and grow my skill as an entrepreneur. And so as opposed to running from the problems, like I, I used to run from them or self-medicate from them, you know, I go, you know, first thing after work, I go have to have a drink because I couldn't handle the amount of problems that I had to deal with. And now I can tell you that I run toward the problems because, you know, the faster that you put those fires out, you know, the, the less damage that they do. And so if you're moving quickly to solve problems, you, you know, you, you can, um, um, you know, it makes the day a lot better basically than if you're putting things off, avoiding them and then letting them blow up on you. Yeah, that procrastination. Okay, I'll deal with it. You know, your mind doesn't like it. So it's like, I'll deal with it later. But yeah. then like you say, the fire gets bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, there's a resistance. It's funny. A lot of people don't know how intuition works and intuition sometimes can be uh, counterintuitive. Sometimes it's the thing that you don't want to do, right? The resistance, that's your lower self 
saying, you know, stay in the comfort zone, ignore the problem and it'll go away. You know, uh, don't, don't offend anyone. You know, don't, don't make anybody upset. Like sometimes that's your lower self basically trying to hold you in a place of comfort. And so mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, for those of us that are overachievers, the things that give us resistance is where we want to point our energy toward. It's not trying to go where the things feel effortless and there's, you know, no tension because in that tension is where we're going to get the most learning. Mm, yeah, I like what, what you said there. In that tension is where you get the most learning. Yeah. And that's the tension that we run away from. We want the flow. And so I, I hear many high achievers say, oh, I want to be more in the flow and I want my life to flow. And I want, that's a delicious feeling. But like yeah. you said, the tension, we get the best lessons from in the end. Yeah, well, getting into a flow state requires a tremendous amount of practice and it requires a tremendous amount of um, friction. It's not something that, you know, you, you actually have to do the, the restriction. You have to meditate. You have to, you have to you know, purify your body. You have to cleanse yourself. You have to exercise. There's so many different things you have to do to put yourself into a flow state. And, and so it, it requires a tremendous amount of practice to get there. Um, even, even after you develop a practice to get you into a flow state, you still have to do a tremendous amount of maintenance of that practice to ensure that you're able to put yourself into that state. So it, it requires work. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. happen effortlessly, especially if you want to have a day filled with more flow state activities uh, each and every single day that requires more work each and every single day, not less work. And by work, I mean, you know, doing your meditations, eating healthy, working out, waking up early, uh, you know, journaling, uh, spending time in nature, you know, making sure that you do your prayer work or whatever spiritual rituals that you have. I mean, it's a process that you have to be committed to and you have to do it enough days in a row so that you can put yourself more often into a state of flow. Mm, Absolutely. And would you say right now you need to put put in even more work because of the social media and information overload, the online world we have going on right now? Well, part of the work is to reduce the distractions. Mm. And anything that distracts you from being your very best self, you have to be conscious of it and you have to reduce it. I, I put timers, you know, I have parental timers on all of my apps because I know I, I don't, you know, I, I don't have a problem reading three hours worth of news articles, but like, what good is it going to do me to know, you know, 25 different opinions on the latest COVID strand that's hitting, you know, act, you know, hitting some country, like it doesn't do me any good. It doesn't further my purpose. It doesn't advance me in, in my skills and in my career. And, and frankly, it, you know, there's nothing I can do about it anyways. So why would I want to invest my time into these things? And what I've developed is a system that I basically um, restrict those things that are distractions. And eventually, uh, by restricting the news, you know, elements of TV, I do watch some TV on occasion, but I restrict it for the majority of the time. I restrict um, coffee, I restrict alcohol, I restrict meat, for example. Um, I restrict a number of different time wasters. And eventually, I then have space. And then in that space, I then fill it with things that more, that, you know, that advance me in my, my soul's purpose. So I use this, this um, energy of restriction and I break off new restrictions. Every time I want to get to a new level, I ask myself, what do I need to restrict in order to get to that next level? 
Mm. And big ones are restricted, but now I have to find small things because habits creep up on us. Most recently, I, I challenged myself to restrict the microwave. You know, something just told me, you know, there, there's a healthier way than microwaving all of my meals. You know, I'm always mm. busy, I'm always working and very easy for me to throw leftovers into a microwave and to, you know, to use that as my primary cooking device as a single guy. And, you know, and so I just said, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure out how to do life without a microwave. For my whole life, I'd been, I'd been raised on the microwave. I'd, I'd never really known how to cook without it. Like I couldn't imagine <laughs> all the distance without the microwave. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I put the microwave in the garage and I started cooking. And from there, I started learning about, you know, foods and I started preparing meals and having more self-love in my life and having more enjoyment in my life and having better mm-hmm. quality foods with better nutrients. And so the benefits of that single restriction are so life-changing that I've not got the microwave out of my garage and, you know, the eight months that I've been restricting it, I don't ever plan to. So that's just a simple restriction that I chose and the benefits were innumerable uh, that, have, that, have, that have come as a result of it. Um, yes, I have to spend more time warming things up, but I'm also more conscious and I have better food now that I'm putting in my body that tastes better and that is more nutrient enriched. Absolutely. I remember that this apartment came furnished here in Peru. And so there was a microwave. And I started, of course, I know when it's there, I will use it. So I started yeah. using it. And I know from my functional medicine background, I know that it's not good for your health, right? And we all know yeah. that. So I just decided to to give it back to the landlady and say like, hey, you know what? I don't need it. Take it. And I had no microwave anymore in my apartment. And that made me just, you know, frying pan, a bit of water. And that's how I heat up my leftovers, right? right. <laughs> so yeah, and, they're easy. Yeah, that, that, that single restriction, we yeah. know that microwave is not the best way for us to eat. We know it. Mm. But, but overcoming that voice that says everybody, you know, uses a microwave, you know, overcoming mm-hmm. the voice that, that goes against your, your soul's deep intrinsic knowledge is faster. I don't have the time. I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's plenty of science that says the microwaves are just fine. It's like, well, okay. Even if you, even if you buy into that, it's like, well, we know that food does not taste better when it's microwaved, right? We know that. Even (laughs) if you want to have an argument about the science, no one ever had a a sandwich in the microwave that tasted any good, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that little tangent that we went on. Yeah, no, you know, I yeah, use the rest- microwave. Yeah. I use it as an example because yeah. when I tell people, well, restrict alcohol, they can't see a way to do that. So just pick something yeah. that you can do, like a microwave, right? And yeah. then once you build the self-control and the willpower from restricting the microwave, then pick a bigger challenge, like, you know, perhaps uh, sugar or, you know, uh, tobacco or nicotine or weed or whatever it is. And, you know, choose a restriction that you can manage. And once you get some momentum in that restriction, then choose another, then choose another. Eventually, you'll restrict yourself to a point, to a place of purity. And you'll have tons of space in your life to be able to do the work that your soul is called to do. Absolutely. And I love that, that you say I I start from a place of restricting because I know that um, my achievers, they know that we often start with reducing the clutter. And that's exactly what Ryan here is talking about, right? Just the restriction of those substances and and just eating healthier, healthier habits, right? And that creates a space and opens up the energy 
for things that truly matter in your life. Because now yeah. sometimes people are rushing and are super busy and have their day jobs and all these, you know, but when they're not busy, they're still listening to podcasts and, oh, there's another online course and, oh, look at these reels, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, so well, so as, many an overachiever, <laughs> yeah, as an overachiever, we already have the skill to do stuff, a lot of stuff. We already have the desire for action. Yeah. And it's within the do action. Like that's not our issue. Now, underachievers, which, you know, I've, I've mentored many of them as well, they, they have a challenge with action. Overachievers need to slow down to be able to achieve more. Mm -hmm. Underachievers need to be able to speed up to be able to achieve more. So you really have to look yourself in the mirror and say, do I need to speed up in this season of my life or do I need to slow down in this season of my life? And many people in the overachiever community, you know, we have a challenge with receiving. We're great at giving. We can give to everyone, anyone, 24 hours a day, but we're terrible at receiving. And so in order for us to get to the next level of giving, we have to start to learn to receive. And so, mm. you know, there's, there's a duality in life to these energies. And in order for each of us, like for me to achieve more, which I've achieved a fair amount in my life, and I'm currently achieving a fair amount, it's not going to come by putting more things on my list that I want to do. It's only going to come by taking things off of my list uh, and making the space so that I can then add some other things onto my list. Wow, absolutely. And I think this chat we had, Ryan, has been so full of little mindset shifts and tips and tricks. They're gonna be so inspiring to my Healthy High Achievers. Thank you so much for that. And just to, to finish this off, what are you working on now and where can people find more about you? Because uh, I know we could be talking for three hours more, Yeah. Um, <laughs> but where can yeah. people find Get Inspired by you, Ryan? Excellent. Yeah, my, uh, my, uh, I'm, I'm creating a movement. It helps people alter their lives so they answer their calling. And it's called Alter Call. And so if you go to altercall.com, and it's A-L-T-E-R-C-A-L-L.com, you can learn more about what we're doing in our movement. Or you can catch me on Instagram, and I'm at Real Ryan Blair. And if you just DM me, we'll have a conversation. Okay, perfect. I'll put those in the show notes, people, so you can uh, find more information about it in there. Thank you so much, Ryan. I know you're writing your third book, so good luck on that. Keep Thank writing, you. keep following your passion. And I'm really grateful that you created this time and space to be here with us on Healthy IH. Uh, thank you so much. It's been a blessing to be with you and I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Dear Achievers, I hope you liked this episode. If you did, please subscribe and share with your friends, anyone who needs to hear this. You're super welcome to join us at healthyhighachievers.community as well. See you there.